Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. And that's the reason for today's celebration. Because in Jesus, God has said to the world that death has been defeated and life has the final word. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that the good news is that in Jesus, through Jesus, His bodily resurrection guarantees our future bodily resurrection. It's the hope and the guarantee of all who place their trust in Jesus. And so if you're wondering what Christianity is supposed to be about, it's about life. It's about life. Christianity is not about making us into good people or even people who are better than other people. Christianity is about Jesus defeating death and giving us life. And that's why Paul breaks out in celebration in the, with these words in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. He says, he says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the future hope that we have. All those who have placed their trust in Jesus, have transferred their trust from their own life onto Jesus, have that future hope in Jesus that they too will share in a future bodily resurrection, that they will experience life to the full. But what about now? What about now? Is there hope for our present circumstances? If ever there was a season in which it seems that people need hope more than ever before, it feels like this is a season. This current election season has produced a climate of despair and hopelessness and anxiety like I've never seen in my lifetime. And in my lifetime, there's been the Vietnam War, Watergate, the Iran hostage crisis that lasted for 444 days, the Iran-Contra scandal, the Cold War, two Iraq wars, and a presidential impeachment. And each of these produced a season of anxiety and uncertainty in our nation. But I've never seen the level of anxiety and despair and anger and hopelessness like I'm sensing in our nation, in our culture, in the present. And I'm not alone. A March 6 Washington Post headline read, Psychologists and massage therapists are reporting, quote, Trump anxiety among climate clients. And here was the picture that came with it. It says, to the catalog of anxieties her patients explore during therapy, marriage, children, and careers, psychologist Allison Howard is now listening to a new source of stress, the political rise of Donald Trump. And I'm not making any political commentary, I'm just reading headlines. <laughs> but I'm asking you, are you sensing some of this, this tension, some of this anxiety and despair and hopelessness in your own interactions, in your own um, conversations with people? And then you add to it, if it's not that, then you add to it the, the, the anxiety that is occurring now with the rise of ISIS and, and the, their commitment to hit soft targets as they continue to move towards international jihad and to basically create this, this state, this Islamic state that is global. Is no one safe? Is no one secure? So there's reason for despair, there's reason for anxiety all around us. And so in light of the real world that you and I live in, the question is, does this good news of Jesus' resurrection have anything to say to our present circumstances? And I say yes. I say absolutely yes. I say yes, there is good news, and the good news is that life 
prevails. Death will not have the final word. Death in our culture will not have the final word. Jesus said in John 10.10, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full. He says in John 7.38, the one who believes in me, out of them will come rivers of living water. He's talking about life that would flow out of our lives and life that would bring life to other people through the indwelling presence of God through the Spirit. So the message of the resurrection has the power to release life to everyone, everywhere, every day. And I'm not talking about winning others to a cause or to some kind of ideology. Followers of Jesus share life, and it's a life that's found in Jesus who alone has the power to give life because he gave his life for us. John says in his gospel in John 3.16 that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever puts their trust, believes, puts their faith in Jesus will not perish but will experience everlasting life. And it's a life that begins in the present and continues into the future. And this is a life that transforms everyone. It transforms everything. It transforms our lives and it brings everyone and everything alive around us. So you could say this message of Jesus' resurrection is beyond It's beyond what we could ever accomplish for ourselves, whether as individuals or as a society, or it's beyond what any government could accomplish for us. It's beyond simply repairing our own broken lives. It has the power to transform all of humanity. Now, you might be saying, well, that's a really, really large claim that you're making, and you get the safety of not having any questions of you. Well, let me give some proof. Here's my proof to that statement. Think about it. Why was Jesus raised on Sunday? Why was Jesus raised on Sunday? Have you ever asked that question? In order to answer that question, you have to go to the Jewish account of Genesis 1. And in that account in Genesis 1, you see a God who orders the cosmos in six days, and then he rests on the seventh. And that becomes the, the, the basis. That's where the Jewish people root their practice of Sabbath observance. Because they observe the Sabbath on Saturday. They work six, they rest on the seventh, they observe the Sabbath, and that begins on sundown on Friday night, it goes all day Saturday, and it ends on sundown on Saturday night. And this Genesis 1 text also identifies Sunday as the first day of God's creative work. So this is where we discovered the answer to why was Jesus raised on Sunday. N.T. Wright, a New Testament scholar, puts it this way. He says, Easter Sunday functions as the beginning of the new creation. The word through whom all things were made is now the word through whom all things are remade. So far from being an odd or isolated supernatural event, Jesus' resurrection is to be seen as the beginning of the new world. The first day of the new week. The unveiling of the prototype of what God is now going to accomplish in the rest of the world. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus' resurrection is the first fruit. The first fruit is the first fruit of a bountiful harvest that is going to be coming. In other words, Jesus' resurrection is the prototype for God's new creative work. This means that the implications of Easter Sunday are far larger than victory over death or our individual experience of life after death. It extends to all realms. Listen to Paul in First Corinthians, or excuse me, Colossians 1, 19 and 20. 
He says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You see, Jesus' resurrection has the power to transform all of humanity, all spheres of life. Nothing is exempt from that. And so like the creation account in Genesis, which began on Sunday but did not end on Sunday, God's recreation began on Easter Sunday with Jesus' resurrection, but it continues to unfold. And this is the hope that we have in the present, that God's recreation, God's transformative recreation of all things has begun in Jesus' resurrection and it continues to unfold. That's the hope we have in the present, that it is ongoing, that it is happening around us. And so as we celebrate Jesus' resurrection this Easter, we celebrate the full scope of his victory and the hope that we have. See, Jesus hasn't merely secured victory for himself over death. Nor has he only rescued his people from the bondage of sin and brokenness and despair and shame. Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of new creation. Let me say that again. Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of new creation. Would you say that with me? Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of new creation. Now say it, now that you've said it once, say it like it might be good news, all right? Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of new creation. That's an amazing statement if you think about it. That's a world changer. That shapes reality and shifts reality like nothing else. That one man in human history has shifted reality and shifted history like nothing else. And he's invited you and me and us to join him in that amazing transformation project. That's what's so amazing. Because he is Lord of all, we are called to something more than simply working on our own individual lives. He has called us to something more than just simply working on our own interior rehab project. Because if that's all you have, if that's how you limit this business involving Jesus, then largely what you have, you'll find for yourself over time, is that Jesus will be a hobby for you. But that's it. And you know what happens to hobbies? They get squeezed out by the busyness of life. But Jesus is more than that. We are called to be people of new creation in the power of the Spirit. And that means we're called to bring the life of Jesus to our places of work, to our schools, to our homes, to coffee houses, to wherever we find ourselves. And we're called to bring the life of Jesus and the good news of how Jesus can transform people's lives to those places and the people who are there. Representing Jesus in the generous love and grace of God. So as we continue our celebration today, we're going to hear stories about Jesus. Stories about Jesus at work in and through people. People who are experiencing God's generous love and his grace. And people who are seeking to join Jesus in this, this wonderful project of transformation in the world. I'd like to invite that group up now, and they're going to share some stories with you. So up here with me is Brandon Roa. And Brandon's a college student, um, and he actually goes to Biola. And we have quite a few, we've had quite a few conversations over the last year, and Brandon, I've seen a lot of, of what Jesus has been up to in your life. Um, and 
yeah, this really fits into the whole idea of Jesus bringing a new life to you. So how, yeah, what would you like to give Jesus praise for this morning? How have you experienced the new life of Christ? Yeah, so for me in the last year, I'd say, like, I really experienced Jesus' like saving work in my life, despite the fact that I like go to Biola, was raised in a Christian home and all that. Um, for me, like over the last couple of years, Jesus was kind of like this intellectual, like, uh, like he was just of intellectual interest to me. And like all my friends were Christian, and, like I was still involved in church and college group and stuff. Um, but he was only interesting to me as like an idea and like, oh, like what he's about is cool and stuff. Um, and like, yeah. And so over the past year, like he really stepped into my life and like it's it's so much of a different thing when you know jesus is like your intimate loving savior who redeemed you from darkness and like it's kind of, it's like it's weird for me because like my darkness wasn't like like drug binges or anything like that like it was good grades in school and like having friends and like hanging out with people and stuff but like without jesus like that stuff is so worthless and like there's just no life without him and um Oh my gosh, yeah, it's just, things have changed so much in the last, like, seven months for me, um, as I've gotten to know, like, my loving Father through whom, like, I get all good things. Um, how would you so, say that, um, like, give us some ideas of how that took place, like, how did you begin to experience, or through what did you get to begin to experience the new life of Jesus? Oh, uh, a lot through scripture. Um, so I, I'm in a program at school where we read a lot of books and a lot of literature and stuff like that, and so, like, a big thing for me this year was like rediscovering the Bible as a book or really like a collection of books that are all like have their own unique um, storyline and genre and author and stuff like that, but all come together to form this crazy like unified and like beautiful literary picture and, and like history of who we are as a people and where we come from and what uh, God is doing in the world. Um, and so scripture has been a huge part for me in the last few months of just like, it's so beautiful and it's so like, transforming when you let it like inform your identity and and like your life and the choices that you make um and like obviously like i don't do a perfect job of like living it out every day because i'm not jesus but like (laughs) it's 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 just so good oh my gosh like it's become fun for me too so i don't know it's good i mean Uh, one of the things that i've seen in our conversations that's come up quite a few times is this idea that yeah, this really moving from Jesus in, in the head to kind of moving to the heart. This, this Jesus is someone of whom you can know and whom you love, and I think in a deeper way. And one of the things that you said that I would like you to just expound on a little bit is that you really feel like you were in a place where you were despairing in some ways, and that Jesus has really been begun to shine light in the darkness. Okay. So how much? How like? <laughs> so yeah, I guess what I'm, I'm what I'm asking is, uh, what do you feel like? that means now like moving forward like how might that change i mean a lot of it is just like sin struggles that i've had and things that i've been able to to like enter into like confession relationship with him with about and stuff like that um and like not letting my identity be informed by like shame about those things and stuff like that but like recognizing like like he just brings light to my life and like the darkness that i have and like i mean also it's just like it helps me like rethink my life in terms of like that light and darkness idea and see, like, without him, like, everything is darkness. I can't really, like, I can't do life without him because you can't, you know, see without light. And I, like, can't go through my daily life without, like, like you don't live without the word. You know, man does not live by bread alone. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's your No, no, okay, great. Cool. That's awesome. I, thank you so much for sharing. I mean, it's been cool to have, take that journey with you. So I appreciate you sharing with all of us this morning.
Thank you, Brandon. Um, I'd like to introduce to you my friend Tom Sullivan, right here. Uh, I met you, Tom, probably about four or five years ago. Um, Tom is a fairly typical New Yorker. He's quite uh, rough around the edges and, you know, he's blunt. He says it like it is. It's probably why I like him so much because he's just like me. Um, but I had the privilege of being on the Psalms retreat about a month ago with Tom. And I, man, I saw a totally different guy. Like, I, I just saw this beautiful, soft in all the right ways, very transparent guy who was just thirsty for Jesus. And it's pretty obvious to me that something has changed. So, Tom, do you mind sharing with us just how God has been at work in you in the last year or so? Sure. Uh, a little less than a year ago, I was a broken man. Uh, alcohol had consumed my life, and uh, it was spiraling out of control. Uh, my father uh, died of alcoholism at 35, and I was 13 at the time. I was about to uh, lose my family, and uh, I was terrified. Um, my back was to the wall, and uh, I just surrendered to God, and I asked him to take control of my life, because I obviously can't. And uh, he answered my prayers, and it was wonderful. Uh, the next day, I entered the rooms of AA and never looked back. Uh, go about three, four times a week. Uh, next month will be a year of sobriety. And uh, my life is better than it's ever been, mm -hmm. thanks to God. Amen. Sounds like you were pretty much on the edge of really a pit, and, and God kind of brought you back from that. How do you think that God has even sustained you in the last year through this? Um, amazing relationships have entered my life, uh, not only through the program. And by the way, my sponsor, John P., is here today. <clears throat> but also uh, the fellowship of grace, uh, the life groups, the triads, the Psalms retreat. I'll never forget it. Uh, my faith and uh, relationship with God uh, grows daily. He's helping me uh, tear down uh, the wall that I built with my family. And... Uh, I'm seeing daylight. Um, in terms of uh, inward focus, it no longer exists. I, I uh, look outwardly and want to serve others, and that's, that's critical. Um, he lifted me from the ashes, mm -hmm. and it uh, allows me to leave my character defects at the foot of the cross. It's a beautiful day. Jesus is risen. <laughs> Thank you. Praise God. Hey. Thank you. Thank you for um, your vulnerability, Tom, and for being willing to share with others this morning so that we might be encouraged and give praise to God for what he's doing in you. So I appreciate it. Um, I'd like to introduce to you also my friends Jeff and Kelly Gray. Um, you might remember this little guy. He's going to appear on the screen behind me. Remember that cute guy? Um, that is Johnny, and at the time of this picture, he was your foster son of like two, 15 months. 
Um, and about a year and a half ago, we stood right here in front of the congregation and we prayed because a court order had been placed at that time for Johnny to be taken, I think two days later, to pretty distant relatives in Arizona. Arizona. Um, so Kelly, catch us up on what happened since that story, since we prayed. Um, hi, everybody. Um, yes, yeah, so up until today, I haven't been on this stage, so it's, it's kind of crazy because that was a year and a half ago, and our family and friends gathered up on this stage because what she said is true. He was supposed to be picked up, you know, by strangers and taken to a distant relative that he'd only seen once in his life who was the matriarch of three generations of foster care. And um, we were just really broken, broken, sad people. Um, and just Beth prayed a prayer of just asking for intervention and a miracle and God to just be a part of it. And then also just a blessing on him no matter what happened. And it was really um, an intense experience. Um, and then the very next day, 24 hours later, um, we got a call that we had won this stay and he stayed with us through the whole appeal, which then a whole year and a year, over a year later, we ended up winning the appeal and we've now since adopted Johnny. And yeah, I do this. That's adoption day. So one of the best days of our life for sure right there. Yeah. Um, how would you say Jesus made himself known to you in, in this whole time? Um, I think that the word that was coming to mind this whole week was um, just this idea of brokenness. And for us, you know, we went through this whole process of even deciding to pursue foster care and um, just the Lord really working on our hearts. And um, that was a roller coaster, too, of just him sort of putting his love for foster kids and it came a lot from this community too of and then putting that in us like putting that in us to the point where we were so excited and confident and um just felt so honored to be able to take care of a a, a child that needed a home um but then as so many people in this congregation know um situation trials in general but situations involving children and babies they they bring up just just incredibly incredibly intense emotions and um, that were sometimes so far more intense than I felt like I could manage at certain points. And yet we had to just sit in that fear, not knowing what was going to happen, um, this sort of unknown state and the pain, the day-to-day -day pain that I know people are probably sitting in right now. Um, and it was, it was a really hard time. And the thing about a community is I can't just sit up here and be like, oh yeah, and this was great. And we just trusted Jesus because so many people know that I was a, such a mess. We were a mess. Um, and yet I think that what I learned is that throughout it is that we were still in God's will. We had done what the Lord had called us to do and we never doubted that. And, um, but it was still really, really hard. Um, and I think that that's, our Lord that we serve and, you know, we follow what he asks us to do, but it's not always really pretty and sometimes it's really messy. And, um, but I think of, you know, even this weekend thinking of the disciples after the crucifixion, those minutes and hours and how they had to just sit with that pain and sadness and confusion and not knowing the end game. And, um, in our case, we had these, this moment of true, just God answered the desires of our heart 
gave us that um, longing to protect this child. Um, but we praise God today, not just for the end result, but for every moment in between, every moment of pain and sadness and the moments where we decided to even pursue it to begin with. So we're just praising Jesus today. Jeff, what about you? Where have you seen Jesus show up for you? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I just reiterate everything that Kelly says, but um, I also saw just uh, some uh, connection with Tom's story as well because I see just that same theme of brokenness. So as Kelly was saying, we were broken in those moments, and, you know, when we were on the, the threshold of hopelessness so many times, it was the our community that, that came in and, uh, you know, really saved us from from falling into those depths. And so I, I've just seen God's love through community. Most of those people are in this room today, some of them are not. But, um, you know, that's what it is, is that, you know, uh, it was a reminder that, you know, God doesn't send us out alone, but um, his love is really um, evident through our friends and family and uh, all these loved ones. Yeah, thanks. Um, and in truth, I think this was actually an especially hard week for you guys to consider sharing this story. There's a relatively high-profile case of a, a girl that had been with her foster family for four years in California, and she was taken um, to live with some very distant relatives in Utah. And I think, you know, sometimes when something like that happens, we want to diminish our own celebration or praise because we don't want to kind of gloat or put it in somebody else's face. But I think it also has the opposite effect. And I said this to you, like it has the potential to magnify the absolute miracle that this is, that this happened, that God overturned that stay in the first place and that Johnny is now your son. So if this morning, for those of us who sort of feel like, well, belief for you, you know, I don't have any amazing miraculous story to share that of something Jesus has done for me in the last year. This is not about them representing something that, you know, we're all supposed to get there or they're better Christians than us. No offense. Um, <laughs> this isn't, this isn't just their story. These aren't just their stories. These are our stories. That's not just their son. This is our son. He's adopted into our family as well. And so their praise this morning, their celebration of what God has done through them, that's our celebration. So thank you for sharing. Thanks for giving us something to praise. Let me pray. Let me, uh, I'm going to pray to give, give thanks for what God's doing here. Father, I thank you that you do place orphans in families. I thank you that you rescue us from the edge of hell where we find ourselves sometimes. And I thank you that you continue the good work that you've started, sometimes in very slow ways, sometimes in even not obvious ways. But thank you for the, the moment this morning to just step back and reflect on that, to give you praise for the work that you've begun. I thank you for the testimony of these guys. I pray that their praise would be our praise as we celebrate and give you our thanks today and continue what you've started. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, you guys. So these guys, I didn't make them come up here. <clears throat> there wasn't too much arm, arm wrangling or arm twisting, but uh, we were talking about where if we see new life break out, and, and they are known and loved. And, you know, I, they're not people to brag on themselves, so I'm going to do it just for a minute, but... Um, you know, you guys, how many years ago was it that you started coming? You, you and I were in a life group together. You just broke your shoulder. How many years ago was that? 
Um, a little over five years. Okay, so you just just gotten sober, and you started coming soon afterwards, and so you guys both have come out of drugs and alcohols, have been in recovery for a long time. How many years sobriety did you just celebrate? A little over five years. All right. <laughs> And, and you guys are at a place in your life that like, you have to sit back and say, hey, God has done some good stuff. So as I was asking you the question, you were just saying that there's a lot of areas in your life you can look back and give thanks for. What, is, what are some of those that you were, you were thinking about? So um, f- first and foremost, I think the fact that I was in just such that dark place um, without going into too much detail and surrender to God, and he kind of pulled me from that place, and um, and so, and it's been a while now, and so it's kind of been tough to, you know, step into that new identity. Um, he's blessed me with a wife. Um, there was a little uh, rough time there before we got married. We had some stuff to work through, and I saw Jesus show up through um, a lot of couples in this church, Jesse and Laura, um, Lou and Lori, um, Kim and Steve Gross. And so they were able to, to walk through that um, with us together as a couple and then individually, um, you know. Um, and then more recently, I, so I was in construction, as Jesse said, for probably about 12 years doing Starbucks new builds and remodels. And it was... Uh, Construction is a kind of, it's a toxic environment. Um, It was for me. And so I had been praying for um, just like a new job. I wasn't really sure what that looked like because I had, I was so, you know, set on doing construction and that's all I've ever known and that's what I was really good at. And this new job for a real estate company kind of just fell on my lap, overseeing all the construction that's going on at a real estate company. And so that's been my job for the past, like, four months. I just had a review. They love me. Um, (laughs) So hopefully that'll be my new future, and I won't have to, you know, wake up every morning sore, and I get my weekends off, and, and... the work environment is a little bit different than being in the construction field, you know, all day long. You made a comment, and you've made it before, but like you talked about a new identity. So, what's it been like in this in this in this new season to take on this new identity? Yeah, and so I've seen God um, just transform me um, in every aspect of my life. You know, obviously, I don't drink or use drugs anymore, but there's a whole change of like uh, attitude and um, just the way I treat people, um, just my outlook altogether, I guess, the way I treat my wife, uh, my family can probably testify that I'm a little bit of... Mom's here. <laughs> mom's here. I'm a little <laughs> bit different these days, um, which is weird, right, because I'm, I'm still kind of trying to get used to it and... Uh, I'm still covered in tattoos and, and, um, so yeah, it's not just like the work and the, the but getting sober, but you have more tattoos since following Jesus, not less, right? Yeah. Okay. Actually, yeah. <laughs> All right. I know that, um, one of the things we talked about was you've seen 
just a tremendous, um, you've seen Jesus really work as you guys, you guys are both still involved with AA and sponsoring people and mentoring people. And you've had, I met a whole table full of ladies that you are influencing at our Christmas dinner in December. And you said that Jesus has just showed up in amazing ways in that. So tell us a little bit about, about what you've seen Jesus do and you want to give him praise for. Yeah, so um, when we sort of mentor somebody new in recovery, we call it sponsorship, and I've had the opportunity this last year um, to work with two newly sober women who came into my life about the same time. Um, and we have a picture, actually. This is one of the girls uh, a couple weeks before her intervention with her family, and I was talking to Jesse and thinking about Easter and Jesus's dead body in the tomb and the sadness with that and I just thought of this picture of my friend and There's another picture of all of us at the women's Christmas dinner, and I promised her I wouldn't tell you which one she is I'll give you a hint. She's not the one with the tattoos in the middle (laughs) (laughs) Talk about resurrection And I mean this is this this woman has been brought back from life 100%. And uh, one of the great things, too, is that uh, we celebrated, last weekend, we celebrated two one-year anniversaries of sobriety, two of those women up there. And I got to meet the girls that they are now sponsoring. You know, one of the focuses of this church is making disciples who make disciples. And I don't know a better example of that than this story here. I'm just so proud of them. And Uh, There's another girl up there who I also sponsor who has disclosed um, sexual abuse as a child from a family member and um, constant battles with suicidal thoughts. And uh, last weekend, I watched her stand up in front of like 50 strangers at an AA meeting and take her birthday, we call it, and and talk about how she's learning to love herself again and how she's learning to trust God and have faith. And I know that she means those words that she says. It's so awesome to be a part of that and just to know, you know, when when somebody asks me to sponsor them, I, I say yes, and I hang up the phone, and then I pray to God, and I say, please just speak to these women through me. Use me to bring them, you know, out of that darkness. So exciting. Thank you guys for sharing so much. It's, that's, thank you. Well, first, it's really cool to see that photo, having met that table of ladies at the dinner and then realized that's the transformation that's taken place. But it really is exciting to be your friend and, and to see the transformation that's gone on and see the ways that you guys are open to God using you. God is just using you guys in amazing ways, and I'm really happy that you let us celebrate and give testimony to Jesus. Not you guys, but give testimony to Jesus this morning for what he's doing in your lives. So I'm going to pray. I want to pray for both of you guys, and I want to pray that God continues to bless and that God continues to bear fruit through you. So let's do that now. Father, I thank you so much for my friends. I thank you for all that you've done for their openness, for their rawness in moments, for the times that they need to just, they need to just say, I'm frustrated. I don't get this. I need to call bull. I need to do anything. I just need to be open. And they've come to people and said, uh, I want God to work in my life. And God, I thank you for the transformation that's taken place. And I thank you for the testimony that they are to those around them. And I thank you for their friendship and their love for others. 
Um, and so we pray for your hand to continue to bless, and we, God, we see the fruit that you're producing through them. And so we ask that you would invest even more in their lives and see even greater fruitfulness and greater examples of your new creation breaking out through the openness that you have to your Lordship, uh, Jesus Christ. And we praise you for that. So thank you, Lord, for this gift to us as part of a community for the work that you do through them. And we pray that you continue to guard over them and watch over them. In Jesus' name, amen.